Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome back to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast. The Core 4 is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find it on Twitter at Grizzly at SB and Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than Nathan, the champion, Chester. Nate, what up? I don't feel so good. This game against the Bulls is pretty miserable to watch. Yeah, um, in case you live under a rock or you just had to miss the game, the Grizzlies lost to the Chicago Bulls in Chicago about 15 minutes ago as we're recording this podcast by a final score of 106 to 99. Again, the Grizzlies were missing. Yeah, what's up? We're going to need to start a dialogue. What's this dialogue? You You know who we need to start a dialogue about? About who? Tyus Jones, man, and and look, look, you don't want to give up on a guy, especially a guy who's proven himself to be a competent NBA player over the last few years of his NBA career. But you have to, at some point, start to wonder if maybe there was something that Tom Thibodeau knew that we didn't know ourselves. A reason why he was the third point guard in Minnesota for most of his early NBA career, because... He's just not getting it done out there, and it's very obvious. Even a casual fan can watch the game and just see that he's totally ineffective at best and just, frankly, generally bad in every area of the game at worst. Um, He played 23 minutes tonight, was a minus 20 in a game the Grizzlies lost by seven. Uh, Taylor Jenkins opted to start DeAnthony Melton at the beginning of the second half instead of Tyus, um, which tells you all that you really need to know about his performance. Um, where do the Grizzlies go from here? Do you think in, when we look up in three weeks to a month, do you think Tyus will still be the main backup point guard, or do you think DeAnthony Melton will be? Um, I don't really know. For one, I do think that there is investment in Tyus Jones with this recent three-year, twenty million, twenty-eight million dollar contract, I believe. Yep. And this is just a cold stretch. I agree. I mean, for the early part of the season, he did look like the best backup point guard the Grizzlies have had since healthy Mario Chalmers. He does a really good job of controlling the pace, moving the basketball. And just overall being a steady facilitator alongside guys like Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, Marco Guterich, Solomon Hill, Grayson Allen. I do think there's still value in Tyus Jones. And I do think that there's a possibility he's going to progress to the mean. I mean, it's inevitable. Granted, the shot hasn't been there. But in this Grizzlies offense, they don't need him to be much of a scorer. Granted, 
go hit your mid-range jumpers, go finish at the rim, and when you're open, hit a three. But Tyus Jones' role is going to be as a pass-first point guard. And so far this season, he's still averaging about like five assists a game. I don't really see any reason to be like, oh, yeah, he needs to be completely out of the rotation. And this is something I talked to with – Joe Molinax on GBB Live where I saw it on Joe's Twitter where right now you don't really look at cutting Tyus's minutes for Melton. If anything, you look into cutting away Marco Guterich's minutes or Grayson Allen's minutes and giving those to Anthony Melton. I mean, granted, I think tonight it, it kind of worked out to where it kind of complicates things a little bit for that reasoning because Grayson does did show value tonight and just the fact that he's going to be all over the floor. He's going to crash the glass for a 6'3 guard. He can hit outside shots, but also, too, he maintains that aggression to actually make things happen. And also, DeAnthony Melton does the same thing at, honestly, at an entire level, different level. I mean... He's all over the place on the glass. He's silky smooth creating his own shot. I didn't think he can, for one, penetrate that well, create a shot that well. And then he's just a fiend on defense, and that's something we already saw in Phoenix. Yeah. I do think D'Anthony Mellon is too good to keep out of the rotation. Just whether or not it comes at the expense of Tyus Jones, I just want to wait and see. Yeah, and I'm right there with you, and we'll get to Melton here in just a minute. Melton was a plus 15 tonight in 30 minutes of play in a game the Grizzlies lost by seven. That was by far the best on the team. And when you go down Tyus's numbers, yes, he's been bad. Yes, he's frankly looked pretty terrible for the last few weeks, actually, and Melton is looking good. But um, when you look at his shooting numbers, to your credit, there is absolutely no way he can maintain his current pace. He's shooting career lows across the board for all of his shooting percentages from every spot on the floor. And um, it, it, it's almost inexplicable to me because um, he's getting a bigger role, obviously, than he ever had in Minnesota, which can obviously be an adjustment period. But you would think in Jenkins' free-flowing offense that Tyus would thrive in, um, that thrives on ball movement and spacing, that he'll get better looks than he ever got in Minnesota. So it is kind of bizarre to be 20 games into the season and see him shooting 19% from three, to see him shooting 36% from the field and be shooting the lowest effective field goal percentage of his entire career. That is a bit bizarre to me, but even if his numbers just regress or progress to the mean and just stay there, I, I don't really see any way that doesn't end up happening. But since you mentioned Marco Goodrick and Jenkins is kind of going out to ruin the article that I'm posting tomorrow about the increased opportunity for some of the younger prospects on the team in the absence of Brandon Clark and John Morant, and that should lead to an increased opportunity for DeAnthony Belton and Grayson Allen, and it has. Uh, Melton played 30 minutes tonight. Uh, Grayson Allen played 25 minutes, and he had a ver- another very good game. But you would think that Marco Gudrich's minutes would increase too, but his minutes have decreased over the last two games. He played five minutes tonight took one shot, and I don't pretend to be a big Marco guy. I have a lot of questions and doubts about whether he'll ever be a consistent NBA rotation player, 
But there's a part of me that wants to cut Tyus's minutes by maybe four or five and give them to Guderick just to see what you have with him because you're not going to be able to tell anything about Marco if you only play him five minutes a night. And he was only a minus two in those five minutes. It's not like the team just got ran off the court when he was out there. So that's a little bit confusing to me. For what? Like cutting away Marco's minutes or not playing him? Well, cutting back his minutes in the absence of Ja Morant and Brandon Clark, when you think he would probably just get an extra couple minutes because of that. And also, um, Tyus's minutes remain pretty much steady for tonight. He still played 23 minutes in the starting lineup. So why not cut Tyus's minutes by five or six and give him to Goodrich? The thing with Goodrich, it's – I mean, if his shot's off, he's adding no value. He's not a very good defender. I mean, I saw him get freaking stopped at the rim by Troy Daniels, and we know how bad of a defender Troy Daniels is. He does a very good job of making of not making any mistakes, but he also doesn't kind of just put himself out there to make a play that might be risky, but you're also like, oh, shoot, that was a great pass. Like We've seen it with Grayson. We've seen it with DeAnthony. We've seen it with Tyus. He almost plays too conservative. And it's just one of those things, like, if his shot's not going right. And I saw him literally hit the side of the goal on a, on a three-pointer. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, I mean, that was bad. He should, he's just not going to add value if his shot's not on. And the Grizzlies would have rather gone with, for one, Grayson Allen, who is playing expen- exponentially better than Duderich, and also once wanted to give more minutes to Melton, both as a point guard but also off the ball. And also, too, Solomon Hill does play the three also, and Solomon Hill has been a lot better than Marco Guterich. So that's where I stand. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. Yeah, and I agree with that. But um, so why did the Grizzlies bring Marco onto the team? Why did they sign him in the first place? Because in theory, the Grizz Marco Guterich is the shooter that they need. He's a guy that – I mean, he shot 47% from three in Europe. And Mm -hmm. if you look at his highlights, he can put the ball on the floor and create something. And it is a transition. Like, obviously, it's... I mean, the dude's in a completely different country in a language that he doesn't speak in a game that's a lot faster than the one in Europe. It's definitely a transition. Yeah. But just because he's transitioning doesn't mean he deserves to be on the court. He can get that transition time in practice. But I mean, if he's not performing... You shouldn't play. But I've also said before, I've said it off record. I said it in the last core four that we had, but we had technical difficulties. The Grizzlies team is not good enough to have a set 10-man rotation. There's going to be some nights where Grayson doesn't have it and you roll with Marco Guterich. Or Solomon Hill doesn't have it and you roll with Marco Guterich. Or Guterich doesn't have it and you roll with Solomon Hill or Grayson Allen. Or where Tyus doesn't have it, you roll with Melton, or vice versa, where Melton doesn't have it and Tyus does. You're going to have nights like that. And I don't think – because in the process, you're taking away time that you could be seeing like, hey, what could Grayson add to this team? What can Marco add to this team? Where can DeAnthony add to this team? You're going to miss out on at least two or three of them if you're just going to focus on one. Yeah. So I don't even think it needs to be a set rotation kind of thing. Just ride with the flow of the game. Whoever has it, has it. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. 
as, as far as this night is concerned, and this is kind of the point of the feature that I'm releasing tomorrow, is a so-called 10-man rotation. Well, you can roll that out when John Morant and Brandon Clark are not active on the roster like they are right now. Well, you have injuries to two of your key pivotal pieces on the team. That opens up an opportunity for some of your prospects at the back end of the roster. And as far as which guy has it on what night and you roll with that guy, for Solomon Hill to play 29 minutes after he shot one of eight, had two points tonight, and Marco Guter only played five minutes, five minutes really isn't enough time to tell if a guy's got it or not. Maybe if Guter plays five more minutes, he hits a three and gets going. We don't know. He didn't get that opportunity here tonight. But you've heard my philosophy, my philosophy and my argument about this a thousand times at this point. I would rather play a rotation player who has an elite skill or a hypothetical elite skill over one that's generally mediocre across the board. And as for a night like tonight, or really even for the last couple of weeks, when you have a player like Tyus Jones, who he runs the offense well, um, he gets everybody in the right spot, um, he keeps the ball moving, um, his passing is his greatest asset, even though he's averaging more turnovers than he has ever in his career this year. Tyus Jones just simply is not giving you much. He cannot shoot the ball right now. Even if those numbers might go up, he's shooting 19% from three. Um, You've heard me rant about his defense. He's one of the worst individual pick-and-roll defenders that I've ever seen in the NBA. Um, He cannot defend. And good Lord, my man, he, he can hit floaters, but he cannot finish at the rim. And I don't know why he keeps trying to challenge big men at the rim. Even Mike Conley, you would see in transition, if he had a one-on-one matchup with a big, more often than not, he would pull the ball out instead of trying to drive straight into their chest and finish over them. And he just can't do that. So I look at Tyus Jones' game, and I think, yes, the Grizzlies have committed three years and $28 million to him. And he's going to have a role, whether you like it or not, over the next couple years to the Grizzlies. That's what they signed him up for, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that he has to play 23 minutes, even if John Morant is out. You can experiment with the back end of the roster because you can afford to when you have a greater opportunity available to do so with a guy like Guderick, who played five minutes tonight. And Guderick, in theory, is an elite shooter. He hasn't really flashed that at the NBA level yet, but a guy who shot 47% from three in Europe who's six foot eight, I would like to think that that's going to translate at some point to the NBA level. And you can't, uh, it helps to adjust to the NBA speed and practice a little bit, but you and I both know playing in an NBA game and playing in a practice are two totally different animals. There's a reason why Jaron Jackson is still more like a rookie more often than not this year, because he didn't play the second half of this past year. He had a whole training camp. I'm sure he's playing pickup with NBA players at Lifetime over the summer, and he was practicing every single day with guys on the roster. But until he got back in actual game action, he had to readjust, and he's still adjusting a little bit so I want to see guys like Marco and guys at the end of the roster I want to see them have more opportunities they've been given guys like Melton and Grayson Allen they're getting it and they're taking advantage of that opportunity Melton's been fantastic he played 30 minutes tonight Grayson Allen's been really good the last few games played 25 minutes tonight but someone like Marco don't let him fall by the wayside. Use Jenkins needs to use this opportunity while he has it because once John Morant and Brandon Clark come back, you're right. You can't run out 10 guys every single night. You have to figure out which prospect, which young guy at the end of your bench is the guy you're going to roll with on a certain night. 
It might be Grayson Allen. It might be DeAnthony Melton. Or it might be neither of them. And Solomon Hill can sh- play 29 minutes like he did tonight. But you have an opportunity to go deeper into your bench than you normally would in the absence of Brandon Clark and John Moran. So it was a little bit disappointing for me tonight to not see Guderick get a few extra minutes, especially when Tyus has been struggling to the degree, to the degree that he has. I mean, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's not like one of those things where a lot of the times we've seen it was where it was Tyus and Melton. A lot of those times they weren't sharing the floor together. They didn't really share the floor together much until the fourth quarter when they rode with Tyus, Melton, Grayson, Jay Crowder, and Jonas Valanciunas. So it's not like one of those things like, oh, yeah, you can cut Tyus minutes because really Tyus minutes were going to Melton. It was one of those things where you see if so like you, you would have had to cut minutes out of Solomon Hill who played 29 minutes tonight. But in a system, in this little kind of roster makeup that we saw tonight, there's not really any veterans. I mean, Jay Crowder, Jonas Valanciunas, Tyus Jones, who didn't have it tonight, and Solomon Hill. Someone has to be that stabilizer because, honestly, if they didn't have a stabilizing presence at all tonight, the Grizzlies would have lost by 20 points in this game. And Solomon Hill, though his shot was off, he still had five assists and three steals. So, I mean, he's making things happen out there. And I don't, I, I just, I couldn't really just stand as far as like, oh, yeah, you got to play Guterich because he didn't do anything noteworthy. Granted, yeah, five minutes, not enough time. But also, too, you got to ride with just who's playing well. At the end of the day, like they're not trying to tank, they're still trying to win basketball games because winning is the right form of development. And one thing that was stressed with the front office is they want veterans who could actually help on the court. Because as we see with teams like Atlanta Hawks, they have veterans, they have Vince Carter and Evan Turner, two very great veterans to have in your locker room, but they can't provide any value on the court. And a lot of times, Sometimes having that veteran you can bail out to to just kind of calm everything down, that does a lot for a player's development. And I just kind of saw more value in that with Solomon Hill than Marco Guterich potentially getting it going. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of Solomon Hill, here I'll go ahead and spoil the answer to this question. Who's the one player on the Grizzlies roster who's currently in the top 25 in the league in effective field goal percentage and three-point percentage? Solomon Hill. Yeah. Um, the Grizzlies could not continue to rely on him to the degree that they are. And there were periods in the second quarter where they were running the offense through him in isolation. And Solomon Hill has been very good for this team, especially in the fact that they were able to get something for Chandler Parsons. And for him to be such a good glue guy and such a good veteran leader on this team has been really good to see, especially when you consider to never get anything positive out of Chandler Parsons in his final year. But Solomon Hill shooting 44% from three, having an effective field goal percentage of 59%, that is not going to last. He is a career 33% uh, 33 three-point shooter. He shot 32% from three last year and 19% the year before that. Now, granted, that was just in 12 games. But it goes to show he's playing well above his means right now for this Grizzlies team. And there's going to come a point where I think those numbers 
he, he, they may end up being close to the best of his career, but I think there's a better chance that not those numbers come crashing back down to earth. And the Grizzlies cannot continue to rely on a guy that was essentially a throwaway that many people thought they might cut out of the Chandler Parsons trade. So he's a good veteran leader right now. He's a good guy to rely on. But is he a guy that I want playing 29 minutes, even with John Morant and Brandon Clark out? Not so much. I mean, Solomon Hill, As I mean, yes, he's playing above his mean right now. But you play him, you give him these minutes until he plays, he goes step back down to his mean or even below that. He, he is this then, year. Even too, like you're, no, you're, you're showcase. You're also showcasing him as a potential asset. Granted, you may only get like second round picks out of it and a bad expiring or whatever. But with what he's showing right now, the ability to play both front court positions at the or both four positions at the three and the four, defend at a decent level, and also not down th- three point shots. That's going to be valuable for a bench for a contender, not even just like, oh yeah, he's going to be a rotation player on a playoff team, but he's a nice insurance policy to have if somebody goes down. Yeah, and I agree. Why not showcase that? You got, you got the rest of the season to play guys like Marco Goodrich or play guys like Bruno Caboclo or play guys like Yuta Watanabe. But at, right now, Solomon Hill is better than both of them. And I just think it's one of those things where you earn your playing time. If you're not playing better, then the guy you're competing with, you're not going to play over him. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know who Solomon Hill is for this year's version of the Grizzlies? Don't say it. Don't say Shelby Mack. He is, the, he is a combination of Garrett Temple and Shelvin Mack, the perfect combination of those two guys from last year. Think about it. Veteran role player, kind of got him on a dump-off deal with Ben McElmore like they did uh, back two summers ago. Um, wasn't expected to be one of the main pivotal pieces on the team. And just comes in the first month of the season and absolutely lights it up. And, <laughs> and that's what Solomon Hill's done. Um, well, guys, um, if you have turned the Core 4 podcast into a drinking game, drink because Nate has mentioned Shelvin Mack. Um, mentioning Shelvin Mack makes me want to start drinking. And now that now we've gotten talking about it, I could rant just a little bit. Parker, I am considered by many people to be pessimistic. I'm considered by many people to be cynical when it comes to Memphis Grizzlies basketball. But I don't think either of those two things are true. I consider myself a realist, an analytical realist. And when I saw Garrett Temple and Shelvin Mack playing the way they did for the first month, month and a half for the Memphis Grizzlies last year, it was nice. It was nice for a time, but I knew it wouldn't last because of cold, hard mathematics. And mathematics always win, Parker. It always wins. It doesn't matter how well you play. It doesn't matter how long you play well. Mathematics will always win in the end. So it was tough for me to be right when Shelvin Mack crashed back down to earth so hard that he might as well have killed the ghost of the dinosaurs. It was hard for me to be right, but right I was. And now I see another guy who's doing basically the same thing, and I'm glad to see him doing it, but... Mathematics always wins in the end. Cool. <laughs> That's really all I got to say to that. There's, I mean, there's really nothing you can say to that, honestly. 
Right. And then so, Nate, to we're at the 23-minute mark right now. And to just kind of wrap up this show, the Grizzly season is about a quarter of the way through. Do you have any takeaways from this stretch of basketball? And maybe just something that you want to see going forward. Honestly, I'm pretty satisfied. This is about what I expected. Um, six and fifteen, you're about on pace for about twenty-five wins, which is about what I expected. Um, they're playing the right way. They're playing the way that Taylor Jenkins wants them to play. Um, you know, you're still top five in the league in pace. You're still top five in assist. Um, Jaron is slowly finding his way to being the player that we thought he would be this year. I'm generally satisfied with him. Um, I'm pleased with the progress of guys like DeAnthony Melton and Grayson Allen. It's especially encouraging to see them play the way they have over the last few games. Um, you're obviously getting something out of Solomon Hill that you didn't expect to get. Um, I'm generally satisfied. Um, I think the one thing that I would change, and this is just the one frustration that I think everybody has right now, um, Josh Jackson should be on the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, he should be on the active roster at the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think it's kind of borderline ridiculous to see the Memphis Hustle tweeting out every day, oh, we're 8 no, oh, we're 9 no. And I'm like, that's cute, but you're playing guys that have no business playing at that level. Your best player has no business playing at that level against the competition that he's facing. And I, there might be something the Grizzlies front office that knows that we don't. Um, they have Peter Edmondson told me tonight that they do have a timetable for when they want to bring him up, but they're certainly not going to share it with anybody in the blogging community or any type of journalist that covers the team. So there is some comfort to be found in that, but um, I wish he was a part of the team right now. Yeah, I think that's something everyone could agree on because to be frank, that's that's what I would like to see. Um, I'd just like to see where like when he comes up and also just how he looks i've i said this uh on the last episode of gbb live must listen by the way i'm more i'm the reason why i wasn't all whatever about the original uh assignment to the hustle is because i wanted to see why the Suns felt the need to attach a top five or the number four overall pick from two years ago to a decent prospect in DeAnthony Melton, as well as two second round draft picks for a mediocre second round point guard in the 2018 draft and in salary cap relief in the form of Kyle Korver, who you were never going to put on your roster anyways. I want to see if he was as bad as the NBA analytical Twitter little nerds had to say. And if that meant putting him in the hustle, go right ahead. Sure. The Grizzlies did do have veterans that they need to showcase. If they want to do some trade deadline shopping, you know, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill to name a few. Um, But to kind of just pivot and give a different answer, I'm ready to see uh, how this Andre Aguidala situation goes down, especially as you get closer to the trade deadline. I do think there are some teams that um, have surpassed expectations and they acknowledge that and they might decide, hey, why not us? I mean, to a lighter, to a magnified extent, as we've seen on a national spotlight, could be a team like Dallas who has shattered expectations behind Luka Doncic. 
maybe they decide to attach Courtney Lee and the Warriors' 2020 second-round draft pick, which, in theory, it's kind of the same thing as getting a very late first-round pick because it's going to be the 31st or 32nd pick. Or it's going to be a team like Miami who, let's be real, yeah, Milwaukee's awesome, but I think Miami has the best shot of any team in the Eastern Conference to dethrone them, especially when you add in a guy like Andre Gudala. Can you get him to like, – can they get him in exchange for maybe James Johnson and Derrick Jones Jr.? I don't know. Or a desperate team like Portland decides to give up Kent Bazemore who is slowly falling down their depth chart. And maybe you can get a guy like Nasir Little or, God forbid, Mario Hazania and maybe a protected first-round pick. That's something I'm just really looking forward to seeing because I'm also extremely tired of seeing all these trades that Bleacher Report comes up with because it either A, wants me makes me want to throw my phone across the room because it's so bad, or B, just gets my hopes up because it seems too good to be true. But what I've liked from this first quarter of the season is just Jenkins' commitment to his system. Um, I feel like that's been a major flaw in a lot of these coaches that have replaced Lionel Hollins in the in essence of the past five years. They come in, they say they want to do this, they want to do that, and then ultimately they go right back to grit and grind. I mean, even Fizdale to an extent, he ultimately went with grit and grind by continuing to roll with the core four and ultimately Jamichael Green fell out of the starting lineup in the playoffs for Zach Randolph. And with Jenkins, the pace looks phenomenal, even behind a rookie point guard. And rookie point guards are historically pretty bad their first season, season and a half. But also, too, the thing that's the the most uh, promising aspect of that system is their assist numbers, as they right now rank third in assist. With the round, last time I checked, it's like 26 assists per game. And I think I'm going to write about this on Grizzly Beer Blues, but I think there's even more upside behind it as guys like Marco Gudrich and Grayson Allen and Ty, Tyus Jones and to a lighter extent, Jaron Jackson Jr. find their rhythm or whenever they add guys like maybe and Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball or Joe Harris or Bogdan Bondanovich, where they could potentially in two, three years have an elite offense. So that's what I've liked so far and some stuff I just want to see going forward. Yeah, I agree with everything. Well, Parker, we're about to hit the 30-minute mark, and I think we're almost about out of time. Why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. I am also the co-host on GBB Live. Um, We just posted an awesome episode where it was me and Joe in the first half, and then Sane Asylum and Joe in the second half with an awesome interview about Josh Jackson and James Wiseman. And then we're also going to be posting an episode live probably Thursday night, Friday morning. We'll see. I don't know which one. But, yeah, great time to be a Grizzlies fan right now and a great time to follow Grizzly Beer Blues. Yeah, for sure. And you can follow follow me on Twitter at NathanChester24. You can find both of our written content at grizzlybearblues.com. Parker, I'll let you do the honors tonight. Wow. Really? I, 
I'm feeling very generous tonight. You go ahead and take it. Ah, man. I'm going to head out. <laughs>